This episode of the Nevers Podcast is sponsored by Dead Good Teas, aficionados of the sci-fi and horror genre and creators of premium heavyweight t-shirts and hoodies that are built to last. Dead Good Tea ships worldwide, so whether you're braving the Arctic winds of the Yukon or strolling the beaches of beautiful Thailand, Dead Good Teas has you covered. Thank you to Dead Good Teas for supporting quality podcasting. Start shopping today at deadgoodteas.co.uk and don't forget, you can follow them online at Dead Good Tees. This is a Culture Inject production. This month, it's our year in review. A look back at the highlights from 2019. Plus, we'll open up the mailbox to answer your submitted letters. I'm Tig. And I'm Kelly, and this is the Nevers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion and dissection of every episode of the upcoming HBO series, The Nevers, an original sci-fi drama from writer-director Joss Whedon. If you'd like to follow us online, visit our website at hbothenevers.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, simply at hbothenevers. You can also stream our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you can stream podcasts. If you have a comment or a question for us, you can email it to us at theneverspodcast at gmail.com. We have a treat for you today. Special guest host and longtime friend of the podcast, provider of some of our best questions, Tharias. Everyone say hi. Hello. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here, dude. You've been a real ride or die fan since day one, so it's great to have you on board so we can hear your questions in person. Oh, which is uh, really fantastic. Also, I have to say I'm watching Vikings currently, so having you with this wonderful name on is really exciting to me. <laughs> so why don't you introduce yourself and tell you know our listeners more about you and your wonderful YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, well, it's... Uh, I, I I'm sorry to uh, to burst your bubble, as it were, but I, it's probably the least uh, Viking name you're likely to hear because I got, I actually got the name from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's Thor in there. It works for me. <laughs> I, su- I suppose uh, it's actually from the episode where Farnsworth uh, creates a team of genetic mutants to battle the Harlem Globetrotters. But uh, so not many Vikings in that one, but. Uh, <laughs> If that's what you prefer, if, that, if that's what you prefer to take away from it, feel free. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So tell us more about uh, about yourself and what you do on a day to day basis. Well, uh, I'm a critic. I uh, I talk about uh, TV, movies, pop culture. Uh, the The goal has always been to uh, been able to live off that. Call it my regular job. It's a, it's a work in progress, but uh, we're make, we're uh, we're getting there slowly but surely. Um, as a as a Whedonite, I don't really have uh, an interesting story where uh, my fandom began. I was there for day one. Welcome to the Hellmouth. Thought the the promos looked interesting. I wasn't really sure what to make of them at first. It's like, really, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I mean, the movie was amusing enough, I suppose, but I'm not sure I see a TV show there. But I gave it a shot, and I've been on the Whedon trolley ever since. Amazing, of course, just like me, and you're very welcome here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And folks, we are now on Patreon. 
it's important for us to to be on Patreon and really excited about it uh, because it's going to help offset some of the costs of producing and hosting a podcast and a website. Our wonderful producer and creator, Matthew, works really hard on all of this stuff that we provide to you. So it'd be wonderful to support us. So please do so. Uh, there are some benefits of joining our Patreon Perks like access to our VIP Facebook group, so you can chat with all of us on like a daily basis. We can chat about all kinds of different things. You'll be able to contribute to episodes, get special horror movie recommendations by me, and so much more. Yeah, I feel a little bad. Everyone's contributed so much to the Patreon tiers, and here's me with literally zero marketable skills, so I haven't really been able to do as much. <laughs> I'm but sure I'll find something for you. I'll, I'll find something I can do. So baking recipes or something (laughs) but yeah we have a lot of ground to cover this episode it's been it's been quite a year so first things first let's dive into the news filming continues on the nevers and photos have started to surface online and people have been tagging us again in their photos of locations where the nevers are currently filming that's really exciting i love seeing those photos they look fantastic And also, kind of a surprise to all of us, but I'm kind of tired of hearing about it. Fox says they're open to a Firefly revival. Uh, I have one major comment that I've posted everywhere I've seen this. I've I've seen this being reported in a few places, and my response has always been the same. I am 1,000% behind some kind of revival for Firefly, as long as Fox are nowhere near it. They (laughs) killed this show. They do not get to profit off the fans' continued love for a show they did everything they could to bury. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they still own the rights, so if there was a revival, it would have to be through them. But I would much rather see someone like maybe HBO or any of the streaming platforms take on something in the Firefly universe rather than Fox trotting out another 14 episodes before they cancel it again. Um, for for me, having gone to many comic conventions and doing a lot of pan- scene panels uh, and Q&As with like Nathan Fillion and um, Alan Tudyk, Gina Torres and stuff like that. I mean, everybody's moved on. As again, as much as I love Firefly and Serenity, it was so long ago and the kind of, the ship has sailed for me and mm. everybody's moved on. And I kind of love the story, the tragic story of Firefly as it is. So um, I don't think it'll ever happen. And I kind of, again, I want to see new stuff. So that's my thought on that. Thrysis, how about you? Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth on that one. Um, I'm, I, I think it's, it's nice that Fox is at least open to the idea of a Firefly revival, and I'm always down for more Firefly content, but at the same time, they couldn't have said this back in 2004 when the entire <laughs> cast was still alive and available. I mean... Ugh, yep. Yeah, sore spot right there. I'm... It's it's good that they're at least saying it. Maybe they finally acknowledged that they kind of made a boo boo on that one when they canceled it so prematurely. But it's it's been so long now, and like that the, the actors are doing other things, and Joss is doing other things. And if if it happens somehow, okay, I I certainly watch it. But I think maybe we're we're, we're kind of past that now. As much as it hurts to say that, so good that they. 
that they said this, but you know, you couldn't have said it when it really mattered. Yeah, exactly. Nailed it. Yeah. In the same way that uh, I think it was AMC or Sky One acknowledged that cancelling Star Trek, the original series was a terrible idea. And in the same way that the sci-fi channel acknowledged they never should have cancelled Farscape. All I want from Fox in like in regards to Firefly is an acknowledgement that they messed up, that they shouldn't have cancelled it and they should have let it fly. They should have kept the skies flying. That's all I want. I don't want anything else in the Firefly universe from them except that. One interesting piece of news, though. Uh, in a recent interview with theshiznit.co.uk, best website name ever, except for HBO, thenevers.com, Joss expressed his interest for getting back to work on The Nevers, saying, It's been restorative. I'm extraordinarily excited that we start shooting again tomorrow. But also, a show for HBO means working to a different structure than what I've done before. So I was like, yeah, I'll get back on the horse. Oh wait, I'm riding that thing from Avatar. I don't know how to ride this. So it's been really challenging, but really worth it and so great. It's a bit like, oh yeah, this is what it feels like when I write and direct. I remember now. So that's great. Viewing the on-set pictures, we understand why Joss would compare filming The Nevers to riding the thing from Avatar, because most of his shows were filmed with a modest budget, while The Nevers clearly is not. The idea of him going from kind of working with Fox and on Buffy and everything to sort of riding a sedate mare to then riding that weird flying monster from Avatar for working with HBO, which it sums up everything about what he's currently going through. And judging by his verbiage, it sounds like he's choosing a very, very polite way of saying that he's thrilled to be making a TV show for a network that is not Fox. (laughs) I think there's there's definitely an element of that in in the text. Okay, so shall we get started on topic one? Excellent. Let's get into our 2019 year in review. Way back in the wilds of April, (laughs) Deadline reported that Northern Irish actress Laura Donnelly had been cast in the lead role as Amalia True, the most reckless, impulsive, emotionally damaged hero of her time. A menace to stuffy Victorian society, she would die for the cause and kill for a drink. Laura Donnelly has charisma, wisdom, and anarchic precision that not only captures Amalia, but defines her, said Whedon. She's fierce and she's funny, and I need both of those for the journey ahead. Moving on to July, principal photography began on the Nevers. Via Twitter, Joss shared that principal photography, which is filming to the layman's, for the Nevers had begun. Then on July 8th was a very special day worldwide. The first episode of the Nevers podcast was published. Woo! <laughs> it was slightly different to what you've come to expect, being as the original crew was me, Gina, and then Kim and Tabitha, who sadly had to leave us. July 20th, however, was a date that will reign forever in infamy, as it, re- it marked the release of episode two of the, ne- of the Nevers podcast, which featured Kelly and Dennis. Yeah! Jumping forward slightly, July 19th marked the launch of HBOTheNevers.com, currently the only website for Joss Whedon's new show. So, I think that was the first major steps towards us becoming a thing. Yeah. Our two podcasts, and then the website. I've got to say, that first podcast was very fun, but something about it didn't quite click. I think it was very much when we added the two hosts yourself and Dennis, that I really felt we hit our strides and kind of found found our niche within the podcast world. 
Yeah. And Kim and Tabitha, right? It was just they couldn't commit to they just couldn't commit to the the project, right? Is that what happened? Yeah. Like they they were great hosts and it was really fun working with them, but they just didn't have the time required to commit to Yeah. what will be going forwards, a weekly podcast plus, you know, um articles of the website and all that stuff. I'd love for them to maybe come back and join us on a sort of, you know, month to six weeks every once in a while basis but further commitments prevented that and it's a shame if, if you're out there you know we're still big fans of you guys work yeah and i hope they're enjoying <laughs> listening would have been fun to meet you but i i think we have a really fantastic uh dynamic through the four of us uh, i love gina uh, dennis is really lovely too he's very talented and i think we yeah i think we have a really good connection the four of us so i think this is a really really solid solid team and i was really really happy to to join this because as soon as i heard about anything to do with the nevers and then i saw like a facebook group and everything started and then matthew had posted about needing hosts or at least co-hosts for the podcast i immediately messaged him i was like here's what i do here's what i love here's my other podcast and he was really interested but essentially he ended up choosing other people thanks matthew um (laughs) (laughs) Um, what, you know, I was really excited because two of my biggest loves are like Joss Whedon and his work and horror. And I already have a big horror project. So this kind of would round it out, balance everything out. Um, so when Matthew came back to, to say, you know what, actually some people drop, dropped out and they couldn't commit. Are you still interested? Like, yes, yes, I am. So, um, yeah, I was really excited to, to become uh, a part of all of this. And it's amazing that we're kind of the first ones that got into this. So I think that's really exciting for us. And another check in the win column for the first couple months, I actually thought the website for the show was the, was the never's official website. I I didn't, I didn't get clued in for a, for a little while. So my compliments to the web designer, because it was very convincing. (laughs) An amazing job. Yeah. Not the only one. We actually eventually, yeah, we eventually had to publish a disclaimer saying we're not the official cast. We're just devoted fans. But um, I don't think it really hurt us having HBO in the title. <laughs> we've, we've got a few shares and a few tags, I think, mainly based on that. Mm-hmm. But I think we've set the record straight now, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it is a wonderful looking website. Matthew has done a fantastic job with that. All right. We didn't really talk about yeah. the website, but yeah, the website, which has... You know, that's where we update all the news. We have, you know, reviews and blog posts. I'm writing for it. Tig writes for it. Matthew writes stuff for Mm. it. So it's kind of a multimedia type project, really, in the end, which I love. Indeed. We've we've got some really good content up there. Yeah. And I I can only see it getting better as the show comes out and we have more things to talk about and discuss. I'm really hoping it'll become a kind of, we've got a forum up and everything, so feel free to go and join. I'm really hoping it'll become a kind of central hub in the way that Weednesk used to be for kind of all all manner of fans. Even if you're not a huge fan of the Nevers, but I'm sure you will be, as long as you're a fan of Weedon and his work, you'll find friends there to talk to and discuss about all elements of the greater Weedonverse. On July 8th, we shared a photo of filming in Dublin. Between the 8th and the 24th of July, a steady stream of on-set photos made their way online. Casual onlookers and the occasional local newspaper shared their photos and articles on the filming of The Nevers in Trinity Church Square 
and Wimbledon. On July 30th, our sites, that we're hoping to become a central hub, HBOTheNevers.com, broke the news that James Norton had been cast in The Nevers. Hours later, as if to get ahead of us reporting further castings, Deadline announced the casting of 11 additional actors, each with an accompanying character description. As you're well aware, those were Olivia Williams, James Norton, Tom Riley, Anne Skelly, Ben Chaplin, Pip Torrens, Zachary Momo, Amy Manson, Rochelle Neal, Eleanor Tomlinson, Dennis O'Hare, and of course, Nick Frost. I have to say, I've had a lot of things to be proud about with this podcast. The fact it exists, how amazing our website is, the fact I was picked to be on it. All great things. But still, to the, so far, the thing I am most proud of was how quickly we managed to get that podcast up about the casting. Not only did we break the news that James Norton was there, we were, we were the freaking first on that, <laughs> but within the space of, I believe it was 12 hours, we had that first cast cast recorded, edited, and up on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a real sign of not only how dedicated our hosts are, but how great our editor and webmaster is getting all of that done in such a short time. Most definitely. Definitely. That sadly I was not able to be a part of that. Sometimes spontaneity is is challenging, but I was really, really happy for, for us and you folks to have been able to do that. Uh do we want to talk about a little bit about the casting? I think we should. There's a lot to be I think we've we've made ourselves quite uh clear on what you think about the casting but Tharias do you want to chip in on what your initial reactions were to those casting announcements yeah sure um I am probably the least English person that this podcast has ever seen but I do recognize some of these people Mm -hmm. uh not Mm -hmm. all of them unfortunately um (laughs) Olivia Williams of course loved her on Dollhouse great that she's working with Whedon again um Amy Manson I hadn't heard of before uh, I just recently saw her in a Netflix movie, Doom Annihilation. Uh, the movie isn't a masterpiece by any means, but I liked her in it. And uh, something about yes. her m- made me really excited to see her in this part as Malady because I kept thinking as I was watching her, like, she just has a quality about her that I think would lend itself very well to a mentally unhinged character. Like, I just, I kept saying to myself, you know, if she just messed up her hair and maybe splashed some blood on her face, she would look like a freaking lunatic. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this character. Um, Nick Frost, I'll take him with or without Simon Pegg. So great, mm-hmm. uh, great thing uh, to be casting there. Dennis O'Hare, he was good in True Blood. I, I think True Blood definitely mm-hmm. had some, had its share of problems in the later seasons, but uh, he wasn't one of them. But if there's one character, one uh, actor that I'm really excited for. It's Eleanor Tomlinson. She is fantastic. Oh, yes. Yeah, she is fantastic. I pretty much watched Paul Dark just for her. And uh, yeah, reading the character description, uh, you know, gentle but resilient singer. It's like, yeah, that's that's pretty much her Paul Dark character. That's Demelza right there. So that's well within her wheelhouse. Uh, also, um, yeah, I don't think I've really heard of any of these other people. I have seen... Um, uh, Laura Donnelly, a little bit. I've seen her in uh, Outlander. In fact, it's the only thing I've seen her in. Um, but I can see why he cast her as this character because she's mm. in Outlander. She's very much this 
no-nonsense, take-no-crap, give-no-craps type of character. And uh, very, uh, it's, it's a very brave portrayal, too. I'm not going to, you know, say... I'm not going to spoil anything there for people who haven't seen it, but she does some... I mean, she goes there in that part. So I can I can definitely like see her. Based on this character description, yeah, I understand why he signed her, why he why he cast her for this. And uh, just seeing some interviews with her on YouTube, it's like she's a very... Um, She's a very compelling presence, and uh, she, she's she made me want to see more of her. So I'm I'm very excited for uh, a lot of these people. Some of them I, I haven't seen yet, and but uh, just based on the ones I do know, um, it's a it's it's a very exciting cast overall. As you were saying about uh, Amy Manson being great in Doom, but the the film wasn't too good. Uh, I recently watched the BBC adaption of War of the Worlds, which was nowhere near as clever as the scriptwriter thought it was. But Eleanor Tomlinson was the lead, and she was just captivating. So I'm hoping if she can bring sort of half of that appeal to the Nevers, she's going to be one of the runaway success characters. So I'm very excited for that. I loved hearing you talk about our main protagonist. Now I'm excited. (laughs) Mm. Because if anyone's listened to this podcast before... Often I say that I haven't watched things, nor have I heard of these people, which is now a running joke between all of us. So when I was looking (laughs) at (laughs) the cast, (laughs) also not a surprise to anyone. So Dennis O'Hare, I know him from American Horror Story, which I love and I love all of the different characters he's played in that. Olivia Williams, I know obviously from Dollhouse, who was incredible in that, but also she was in a horror movie called The Last Day on Mars. <laughs> uh, Nick Frost, I know from Shaun of the Dead and Attack the Block. Excellent. Um, well, Shaun of the Dead is a pretty infamous horror comedy with Simon Pegg, and Attack the Block is an incredible British horror movie about these young kids. Um, and like kind of... Li- low-income housing taking on these really incredible space creatures. It's an amazing movie. Um, So really, I only know those three from horror movies and horror shows. Um, But I I was looking up, Anne Skelly apparently is a character on later seasons of Vikings. I'm not caught up yet, but I love the show. So soon, I will know who she is. You're in Vikings. I'm sure you're quite fantastic. So... I'm into it. I'm into it. Hi, I'm Tyg. I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. Uh, I mean the Nevers podcast. We're a, for now, monthly podcast dedicated to the discussion and dissection of every episode of upcoming drama, The Nevers. An exciting new show from HBO, the masters of premium cable, and Joss Whedon, nerd god. We're a small crew of dedicated fans looking to put out the best content we can. However... Podcasts don't grow on trees, and actually cost a fair amount to do, and do well. So, we're looking for a few like-minded companies to sponsor us and help us reach our fans. We have rich listeners in more than 10 countries worldwide, and have a number of the cast and crew of The Nevers following us already. All that in less than a year, for a show that hasn't even started yet. Now imagine what we could do, with your support. On August 15th, we got the second round of casting. So the Nevers rounds out its cast with six additional actors, as reported by Deadline. Kieran Sonia Sauer, Elizabeth Barrington, Ella Smith, Viola Pretchon, 
Anna Devlin are set as series regulars, and Martin Ford will recur in the series. I hadn't heard of them. Anybody else know of those car- those uh, actors? This second set of casting was... I was looking through all their IMDb's, and there's not one of them with more than sort of three or four things on there, except for Martin Ford, who seems to have made a career playing angry people with their shirts off. Oh, I'm not... Not against any of that, so... <laughs> he also, apparently he's... The character he's playing, Odium, they didn't come out right and say it, but reading between the lines, I'm hearing practical effects. Ooh. He's going to be sort of a monsterous character. Oh. Which, is, is he I, the, I'm all for that. Is he the, like, really, really huge guy? There's about five of them, so probably okay. he's one of them, yes. <laughs> okay, he's he's right. not the mountain, but he's about okay. that size. <laughs> On August 16th, we got a first look at the Nevers logo. So cast and crew shared photos of the Nevers swag that they received after wrapping on episode one. They included sweatshirts and water bottles with the logo of the Nevers. We won't know until the series premieres if that's the final true logo, but it could be. What did everybody think about that logo? For me, eh, I hope it's not the final logo, but it does have some ornate uh, aspects to it, which I would definitely expect from a show that's set in Victorian London. Uh, I'm actually wearing a t-shirt right now with that logo on, so I do hope it does, if not, (laughs) stay as the official logo. I hope it it at least is used at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a simplistic logo, but I don't really see how that's a huge problem because... I mean, it's just a logo. It doesn't need to be sort of Game of Thrones tier with all the different fancy bits on <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not mad at that the logo for me kind of give the gives the impression that oh uh, we we haven't shown the the fans anything in a while we got to give them something to keep them interested oh uh, let's uh oh let's let's <laughs> let's give them the title let's uh let's uh, stylize it a little bit yeah okay that works uh you know it's 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 nice that we have uh something that may look at least similar to the title uh, when the show premieres, but at the same time, it kind of looks like something that uh, a person with Photoshop could have uh, <laughs> cobbled together in like fifteen twenty minutes. I couldn't, but somebody else could have. I mean, they, you know, they, they, it's it's stylized a little bit. Okay, yeah, looks nice. Is it the final version? My guess would be probably not. Um, but it's nice yeah. that they showed us something. I guess. Yeah. I was maybe hoping for a different font style. Like, it's very basic. You know, Buffy has a very iconic uh, font style. Angel even has it. You know, just something a little bit more. I just feel like the show is fancy. I just want something a little bit more fancy. So moving on. So filming wraps up in August 18th. After four weeks of filming, Anne Skelly took to Instagram to share that they had completed filming on episode one. Listeners can read our blog post on that at hbothenevers.com. And then on August 27th, we welcome the second podcast devoted to the Nevers, and they are called the Nevers Cast. The Nevers Cast are Heather, Josh, and Jackie, and we welcome them with open arms and open hearts, and we've done some crossover episodes with them. And we just may have a few more coming in the near future. Dot, dot, dot. Not a spoiler. <laughs> totally a spoiler. 
<laughs> definitely. Heather has been uh, definitely really up for, for joining us. Uh, I haven't been on there, but I did a, a Sugar Shock and Cabin in the Woods episode with Heather and Jackie. And that was really fun. Just, you know, they're wonderful. And I think we, even those crossover episodes, we do have a good kind of connection and dynamic with them. We're all just like super weed and nerds. So I think that just works really well together overall. So I'm happy to have them. The more, the merrier. Indeed, they're good people, and that's. I haven't actually spoken to Josh yet, but I've I've conversed with him a few times online, and he seems like good people. So always a pleasure. The more people we have talking about this show, the more we can build up hype, the better it is in the long run. So I think going forward, it's always good to work with other people that are as passionate about something as you are. There's never a downside to that. Agreed. No competition. We're all on the same page. We're all here for the same reasons. And yes, we definitely welcome them. So it's The Nevers Cast and their website is theneverscast.com. So check them out if you haven't yet. September rolled around and on september 13th which i believe thankfully wasn't a friday we got our first look at cast members practicing for their role rochelle neal shared two clips of herself practicing fire breathing presumably for her role as annie carby aka bonfire did you see those clips oh i saw oh, yeah them. definitely yeah, they were so cool. I'm, re- I, I, I'm we did. We've mentioned this before on the podcast. I, I won't sort of go too deep into it, but I'm really hoping that this is a kind of a sign of things to come, and that they will try to use as many practical effects as possible, and then enhance them in post rather than just kind of pursing your lips and CGIing in some fire. Mm-hmm. It it makes things just look better. Oh, for sure. I think too much CGI cheapens it, even though I understand Mm. that that sometimes is a bit more expensive, but it does the opposite to me. And you're on HBO. You've got the money to do some really fantastic practical effects. So I'm really hoping for that. I am 100% all about practical effects. I've recently been rewatching all the old Power Rangers TV series because (laughs) I'm that cool. And one thing I've noticed is as the show goes on, as they start to bring in more CGI and less practical effects, the show starts to look worse. Yeah. If you go back and watch like the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, all the monsters are just guys in suits and the Megazords are just guys in suits. But when they fight, they're, they're actually thrown down. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Then we get to the later seasons, everything's just CGI and it all looks so soulless. There's no heart in it. Yeah. So given how Joss is all about heart... I'm really hoping we get as much practical on-set magic as we can. Yeah, it's 2020 as well, you know what I mean? And when you look back even in Buffy, when that started, so much of that, it was like 90% practical effects and people dressed up as these uh, demons and monsters. Then you'd get the odd CGI and it was terrible CGI and it really kind of takes you (laughs) out of... Yeah. the moment with Buffy and as well, especially the earlier episodes where it's kind of had like this gothic horror element to it and mm-hmm. come yeah. in with like the mayor has this huge, very badly done CGI snake demon thing. It's, <laughs> oh, I get, I get why that happened, but it's just, it's kind of hard <laughs> to watch. <laughs> yeah. So some of that CG has really not aged very well in retrospect. 
Yeah. Um, I think they, they got better with it over time, at least with some of them. Like the vampire morphing effects, I think, improved over time. Mm-hmm. I think there was one instance, mm-hmm. I forget which episode this was, but it was a shot of, I think, Darla, where they literally did the the vampire morphing effect. There was no cutaway or there was no CGI. I think it was literally just a jump cut where they, they cut to her. They cut in mid-line from her human face to vampire face. I don't think there was any CG in there at all. It was literally just a jump cut rather than doing some dodgy CGI. So, yeah, the practical effects all the way. I think the more the better. Yeah, I'm great. And speaking of jump cuts and editing, on September 20th, Joss tweeted that longtime collaborator Lisa Lesek, who worked on Dr. Horrible, Firefly, Buffy, Avengers, both films, would be heading up the editing department for The Nevers. Excellent. I think uh, that was definitely, I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise, but it was certainly a welcome one because she is yeah, she's just an absolute master of her craft. And it's great to know that he's bringing on a lot of his kind of his stalwarts it shows both that him that it shows both that he has kind of faith in the show and it shows that hbo have faith in him because they're willing to let him just bring on his own crew most definitely i don't know the ins and out of editing i never really had an issues with how any of those shows or movies were edited but i do love you know bringing in folks that have worked with him before and it, it, i think it shows still a commitment maybe a little bit of loyalty and interest in working with him. So I think that's that's really great to hear for me on my end. Yeah, Joss does like to hire within the family. We, we all know that. So this wasn't really surprising. Although, uh, I, though I didn't know about Lisa Lessek, I didn't know who she was prior to this. Finding out that uh, she was the editor on Firefly is really exciting to me because I love mm-hmm. the editing on that show in particular. Um, there was one episode where uh, the, uh, the crew of the Serenity were being interrogated by... Uh, alliance forces and there was one cut that i've i've has always stuck with me and it's the one where the interrogator is talking to inara and he, they're referencing uh captain mal and he she, he says and you love him and then they cut to zoe and she's answering that question but she's in, in her case it's a reference to wash and then they cut back to the interrogator and the lighting is changed so they're making it look like he was asking one of them when really he was talking to the other. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay, so he was asking Inara that question, but then they cut to Zoe's answer. And you, you can tell from the lighting. That, that was like a really clever, really like deceptive piece of editing right there. So if that was Lisa Lassick, if she was responsible for that, I'm on board. Indeed, that is. I, I remember that scene. And even before I, you know, because I was quite young when I first started watching that show, I had no idea about sort of the process of putting films together i was was like this is just a brilliantly brilliantly put together scene from conception to editing it was just very very well handled Mm -hmm. also that is a i don't remember that scene whatsoever and good memory on you that is a very 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 specific scene so thank you for for bringing that up Uh, i don't remember it very well i definitely need to watch firefly again and again and again but (laughs) i get caught up in uh watching so many new things to me like new to me that sometimes it's just it's really enjoyable to revisit some old favorites so going into october so october actually was the official month where we did our first crossover episode with the nevers cast we kind of just touched on this but episode eight 
I did our first crossover episode with the Devers cast with Heather and Jackie. Uh, since then, we've had Heather back on the show, and Tig made an appearance on the Nevers cast to talk about Dr. Horrible. And apparently, how dare you, he had never heard of it up until about a year ago? That, that's a misconception. I had heard of it. I just hadn't seen it. You hadn't seen I knew it. it was, that's I knew it was worse. a thing, but I hadn't watched it because <laughs> I, 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 I didn't, it didn't kind of... It wasn't on telly anywhere over here, and this was when it came out. It was before I was really on the internet, right? So I wasn't kind of. I didn't really have a chance to see it. But then, obviously, it's all on YouTube. So I watched it kind of a while back, and you know, fell in love with it. So it was it was fine. But yeah, no, I <laughs> that is one of the latest things I had to see for Joss. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, I, I in my notes are WTF. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah, feel I bad. Know. It's all right. Gina hasn't seen the hasn't hasn't finished Dollhouse yet. I know. Right? We're none of us what perfect. Is this? True. What's this? Nobody's true. perfect. That's true. What is this ragtag crew that Matthew put together? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, assembling a ragtag crew is a very Joss thing to do. So I think he's he's nailed it there. <laughs> <laughs> very true. I was one of those people during that writer's strike that was on the internet when Doctor Horrible was launched. Like pressing refresh because we almost broke the internet trying to watch <laughs> each episode when it came out and was released. It was amazing. I remember sitting there on my computer, I'm like, refresh, refresh. I got to watch more. I got to watch more. And I love, love, love Dr. Horrible. But that's not surprising because I love everything really that Joss Whedon has done, especially that. So good. So catchy. Oh, anyways. Huh. Uh, anyway, anyways, moving on a little bit from that, now that we've all been able to digest that news about Tig. Um, <laughs> so there's, uh, for me hosting the, the first crossover episode was really, it was really fun. Being a host is fun. I'm, I'm a co-host on my other podcasts that I have. So we do have plans to kind of divide up the hosting duties a little bit going forward. I have some episode ideas and we're trying to just you know, just get as many ideas flowing as as much as we can and kind of highlight different co-hosts and hosts that we have. Uh, we all have different ideas and different strengths and weaknesses. So we're hoping to highlight all that. I've got some episodes on the pipeline that I can't wait to show everyone. And I love doing it. So I'll definitely be creating and producing more episodes in the future. So stay tuned. Being behind the scenes, I've seen the plans for a few of those episodes and I'm very excited and our listeners should be too. We've got, we've got some great content coming out and yeah, it's going to be a lot of, the next year is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're very definitely, excited. yes, we're definitely running, running with this and stretching our creativity muscles, I guess you could say. Mm, <laughs> indeed. Uh, <laughs> moving on further in October, umbrella wielding. Is this perhaps one of Amalia's skills? We do have, I think, Tig, you wrote a really great, well, multiple great blog posts about the potential skills and abilities of the touched. So folks, definitely read that on our website if you haven't yet so far. Do you perhaps want to just briefly talk about uh, those blog posts? Uh, basically, this is, we, we know that one of the core aspects of this show is going to be the various powers that the touched have and how it's given them these supernatural abilities i thought it would be a wise idea to break down what those abilities potentially could be into the four categories of physical mental magical and wtf <laughs> within the physical section of the article the first article was about the physical powers 
And one of the ones I thought was there's probably going to be some kind of Slayer, Captain America type analogue of boosted stats and mostly about fighting and kung fu and all that cool stuff. But we've seen a thousand Iron Fists, Shang-Chi type characters. So I was looking into possible martial arts styles from new eras that might be a better fit for the Nevers. And one of the ones I stumbled upon was Bartitsu, which is, in fact, a Victorian martial art based around the use of sticks and canes, but could easily be adapted to an umbrella. So I'm not saying, like, this was out long before the announcement of her umbrella skills. I'm not saying that I gave Joss the idea, but I'm not saying that I didn't either. Thrias, sorry. Um, what were your thoughts on on all of that? Well, I think we were going to talk about that in a few minutes. Um, I I'm not sure how we can define um, the 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 umbrella foo or a bar, <laughs> or or a, whatever it's going to be. I'm not sure how we can define that as a superpower. Um, I think it's it's interesting if that's going to be a part of it. Uh, is, is this going to be like what John Steed in the Avengers or something or to make a more uh, comic book type reference, I mean, we've seen like the Penguin in Batman comics use umbrellas as weapons all the time. If this is going to be some kind of fighting technique, I'm interested. Apparently, uh, Laura Donnelly was uh, was do- supposedly doing a lot of training. I think there was a, a social media post Ann Skelly made about that, uh, that she was training with an umbrella to use in some capacity. If that's going to be in, uh, in used in fight scenes, I'm... I'm interested. I don't think I've seen that before, actually. So it's it's going to be a new way of choreographing fight scenes, which you don't really see that much of these days because you've kind of you kind of feel like you've seen everything. But this is going to be a new type of weapon. Ironic, since it's a very old type of weapon. But it's it's not one that a lot of people are going to be familiar with. So if we're going to see her using an umbrella as a weapon, I'm I'm curious. Me too. And also umbrellas, Victorian London. That's kind of perfect. <laughs> perfect. I know, thing. right? Yeah. And can we, can we expect, can we so expect um, Penance Adair to kind of trick that thing out? Mm-hmm. Put lots Ooh, of gadgets and, of and, do, and uh, gizmos in there. Who knows? So good. Yeah. All right. October 29th, the premiere date announced at the Warner Media's HBO Max presentation, HBO programming chief Casey Bloys revealed the premiere date for the Nevers as being sometime in 2021. We still have to wait for the exact date, but our listeners should keep an eye on hblthenevers.com for our article on exactly when in 2021 we believe the Nevers will premiere. That is a long ways away. We all kind of had a big, I don't know if it was a sigh, but, you know, we we definitely kind of got our our minds going of how are we going to fill up this project and this and this podcast, particularly if we have to wait until at some point next year, it could be, you know, maybe spring, summer, fall. And so that's why we're trying to get as many interesting, diverse, fun, different episodes for for everyone, because we have a lot we have a lot of time to fill up. Indeed, there was definitely a, a collective wince when we saw that release date but digging a little further into it and seeing that they're using it as one of the kind of launch titles for original programming on the hbo max streaming platform it was it, it, i think it tempered the pain a little bit because you know yes we do have to wait a little longer to see the show 
but they're really kind of they're, they're, it's going from forward from a place of strength rather than them pushing it back because they don't have faith in it they're in fact they're pushing it back because they have a lot of faith in it and want it to be in the first wave of their original programming on their new streaming platform and given how streaming is getting increasingly more and more popular and more and more people are kind of cutting the cord so to speak and leaving traditional tv behind i think actually for longevity's sake it's a much better thing that it's going to be on the streaming platform rather than being a standard tv show not just because that means i'll easily be able to get it over here in england (laughs) that's personal bias that doesn't really matter how did you feel about that, Tharias? Well, I guess the good news is that at least they're zeroing in on some kind of premiere date. Uh, what uh, What was interesting to me is that it's, it seems so far off in the future now that it makes me wonder how complex this show is going to be. Because this, this feels kind of similar to uh, Game of Thrones in the latter seasons, especially in season eight, where, which was shot something like a year and a half before we saw it. So if, if, if it's taking this, t- this much time to get um, the show ready, how involved and how complicated and how, how big of a production is it going to be? We, we don't know. It, it, I imagine it's going to be something pretty big. Um, the other way to look at it would be it might not necessarily take them that long to finish season one. Maybe this was just the date that HBO felt worked the best for them. So if that's the case it's possible they could be well into development on season two by the time we see this thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a silver lining if you want to see it. Actually, I think that's a great point that it could be they're pushing season one back a little bit so that they can get to work on season two and hopefully shorten the gap between season one and season two, maybe less than a year, which I'm I'm all for waiting a little bit more now so I have to wait less yeah, exactly. in the future. And the last bit of news from October... At that same presentation, artwork for The Nevers was revealed and included, oddly enough, our tagline, which is, they're coming, which is really neat, which I didn't even notice, um, but that I, I feel like perhaps folks are keeping an eye and they're aware. I mean, they're aware that, you know, mm. fans are going to have stuff like this that exists. So they, they know about us. I hope so. I didn't, I didn't realize until... I saw the the post about this that the 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 uh their coming tagline was mm-hmm. our creation. I'm gonna say I think we we, we nailed it. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> tagline. Is. I mean, there is there is a chance that it could be a massive coincidence, but I mean it's a very, very small chance. It's a it's a great tagline. I, I see no shame in borrowing from devoted fans. And to talk briefly about the actual poster. Mm. Like the artwork, so cool. I I love the whole aesthetic of it, kind of the, the shade and there's the big cloud and all the lightning and stuff. It's a really, really great picture. And I'm I'm hoping they can keep that kind of borderline myth- mythical aesthetic going on when the show starts, because it is one of my kind of this, the vaguely steampunk mm-hmm. style. Absolutely love it. With a, just a touch of mysticism. Yeah, I got that same impression from the... Uh... The background with what looks to be gears and electricity hinting at some kind of steampunk or science fiction aspect to this. You can already tell the kind of contrast they're going for with this uh, this woman in Victorian garb in the foreground, but the, the steampunk S stuff in the background. It's interesting the kind of uh, melding of genres they're going for already with this. Another very Whedon thing to do. Most definitely. I love a good mishmash of different genres. Give me a hybrid. 
any day. <laughs> uh, moving into November, chilly, chilly November. On episode seven of the Nevers podcast, we considered the possibility of Joss having a five-year plan for the Nevers based on planning application data that we were able to obtain. The producers applied for and were granted usage of their filming studios for five years. So potentially we're looking at five seasons of the Nevers. In November 16th interview with the Times, wonderful Olivia Williams revealed that she signed a five-year contract. Perhaps again, we're looking at five Maybe five seasons or at least five years. I'm not super familiar with how HBO runs, but, you know, we're looking at at least more than one season, which is pretty, pretty fantastic. Providing the show doesn't get canceled before then. <laughs> Don't jinx it. I mean, the fact that they're making... Like, <laughs> I'm not superstitious. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them ideas. I mean, the fact that they're making them sign five... Well, they're making and They're giving the, them the option to sign five-year contracts makes me think they're not going to be cancelling it for at least yeah. three like i think we, we're guaranteed at least three seasons from this possibly five if they offset it so that they're kind of filming one while the next one airs so they can get about one a year but i mean i, I would love to see five seasons but i think we're guaranteed at least three from this which i mean that, that fills me with a, a special warm kind of nerd joy to know that in this age where shows can be just cancelled at the drop yeah. of a hat They've got enough faith to give it probably at least three seasons, possibly as many mm-hmm. as five. And I'm assuming there'll be an option to extend at the end of that. Most definitely. That's that's just great. I'm good with three seasons as a good starting point. Solid three. Mm. Yeah. It's probably important to important to like highlight the distinction there because some people might already be jumping the gun and thinking we're in for five seasons, but five years on the contract doesn't necessarily equate five seasons considering how long it's mm-hmm. taken for season one to get off the ground from development to production and considering we also still don't know how big a production this is going to be it, it could be on game of thrones level considering the size of the cast and considering the time frame they're working with i think two seasons two to three seasons is probably a safe bet considering it's we're talking about a five-year contract here um they could extend that, but mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, it's. I think two to three is a is a pretty good estimate. One kind of potential up and or downside, depending on how you view it, about them being on HBO Max means because it's a streaming platform, they don't have to stick to the standard season layouts that you get when you're on broadcast cable. So it's entirely possible they could be putting out one every year, one every 18 months. They could surprise us all and throw out one every six months so you, you can't set your mind on five-year contract equals five seasons it's a lock i think the answer two to three is a much more reasonable hope to sort of pin on with a potential for maybe possibly more if the numbers support it moving on to december of 2019 game of thrones costume designer michelle clapton joined the nevers crew I've got to say, one thing from, like, Game of Thrones was a bit of a, a train wreck towards the last few seasons. But one thing which they were celebrated for from day one, right up until that finale episode, was how amazing those costumes were. Like, every, except for the uh, the Lannister Crown Guard helmets, which looked stupid. <laughs> but I'm imagining 
that probably wasn't a costume design. That was probably the armorer or whoever was in charge of that. But other than those helmets, which were a little bit silly, everyone else looked amazing. So if she can bring that level of mastery to her work on the Nevers, I can already imagine all the kind of amazing Victoriana she's going to be able to produce, hopefully with a touch of kind of steampunk and mysticism thrown in, because Joss. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Kelly? Um, since I... Really, the only thing I know about Game of Thrones, because I haven't watched it, is that it is high fantasy, and it looks fantastic. So, <laughs> I think that uh, the Nevers is in really, really good hands with Michelle Clapton. And yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, I, I just know from little videos and, and screenshots of the show that that was definitely an iconic set of costumes. So, yeah. Yeah, Game of Thrones definitely had uh, some issues, shall we say, towards the end of its run. But uh, the production end was not one of them. Certainly not the costumes. I mean, that, that stuff mm. was always first rate. And, uh, of course, that show won all the awards. Uh, so any crew members we can get from Game of Thrones is is, is going to be a good thing. Agreed. Agreed. Whether you like the show or not, agreed. It definitely was a fantastic, visually appealing show. And apparently she won uh, an Emmy five times for her work on Game of Thrones, too. So that, yep, I'm, I can't wait. I'm into it. She is a, a much lauded costume designer, which is always a wonderful thing to have on your staff so looking at present day and the future ahead for the nevers and our podcast the second block of filming commenced on january 10th in nettlebed at the sue rider pardon me at the sue rider hospice possibly providing us with our first look at lavinia bidlow's orphanage for the touched listeners can view those photos on our website and our twitter feed looking towards this year uh, we can share our hopes and wishes for the Nevers and our podcast. Uh, we do want to see more set photos, a teaser, maybe the name of the composer that's scoring the Nevers, maybe a little hint at the theme. I love a good opening theme. So, you know, with oh, regards yes. to the show, we can talk about that. I think San Diego Comic-Con this year, there is going to be a teaser. That's my prediction. I think that's a very reasonable, that's a very reasonable <laughs> prediction. I mean, we've been in a bit of a drought at the moment, and SDCC is where they demo a lot. A lot of companies mm-hmm. go all in yep. for Comic Con, and given its position within the year, it's very, very reasonable to expect a short teaser by that point. They would have had enough time to edit it together after everything started. I would almost be more surprised if we didn't get something then than if we did. Looking at these pictures from the, the Twitter feed and of the Sue Rider Hospice, I think it is qu- it's, it's quite a, a logical jump to assume that that could be, if not the entirety, at least the basis for the orphanage, which is going to prove to be sort of the the X mansion, mm-hmm. the Xavier mansion for for the mm-hmm. touched going forward. Do you have any thoughts on this, Thoris? Uh I definitely got that uh, that X mansion vibe from this. Um, so I, I am interested to see more of the uh, set photos, if we can see something that we haven't gotten already, maybe some of the cast and costumes. I am expecting some kind of new information at Comic-Con. Um, might be a little too early for a teaser. I don't know, maybe a more 
uh, informative poster or something. But I mean, we've been, we've been so starved for information. They got to give us something. I am real. I am really curious to find out who's going to be scoring it, though, because something Whedon shows are like really infamous for is having really great music. I mean, there are musical cues from past Whedon shows that I find mm. myself humming even to this day. You know, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think uh, finding a great composer is uh, is is imperative. I mean. You know, as, as you said, Whedon's known for his great music. I can't think of an HBO series which doesn't have an absolutely killer theme tune. Th- with that pairing, they have to absolutely knock it out of the park with the theme for this show. Uh, obviously, my money is still on Ben McCreary as the composer. Ooh. Yeah. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we got someone like Ramin Jawadi back. And, cause, I mean, he's he's been working with, again, with HBO a lot, and he's he's an absolutely brilliant composer. I would be totally fine with him helming the sound for the show i'm i'm all in on bear mccreary all at 100 percent is <laughs> plus um agent, agent of shield is wrapped up so you know he's he's gonna have some some free time in his schedule even though that guy Indeed. that guy works a lot he's Indeed. scoring like so many different things but you know he's uh, he's in the Whedon, he's in the Whedon family now true true let's let's keep him there before someone else snatches him <laughs> yes, up yes yeah <laughs> Once you join the Whedon family, you never leave. <laughs> Just when um, I thought I was out, they drag me back in. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for both of you. What is your favorite Joss Whedon theme? Ooh. It's got to be Firefly. Like, obviously, he's made amazing themes for all his shows have great themes. But just... There's something about the sort of the Ballad of Serenity. It's, it's got a bunch of different names, but the opening theme to Firefly is mm. just it's so beautiful. It, it everything is. from the, the composition, the lyrics, just everything about it is just amazing. And while all his themes are great, that one thing it, it really kind of captured the spirit of the show so perfectly. And the crazy thing is, Joss wrote that theme himself, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If you, I have the Firefly soundtrack. I have mon- many soundtracks of of uh, Joss Whedon shows. Um, yeah, and it's of him actually singing it. It's so fantastic. Oh wow! I need to hear that. Totally. I, I have the Firefly soundtrack. I have the Serenity soundtrack. I think my, my favorite of the shows would would also be Firefly. I would give an honorable mention to the first ten seconds of the Angel theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Something that one that one always stuck out to me too. I, I would go with Firefly as uh, my number one, though. Nice. Uh, I feel like generally when you look at all the different show themes, that they just fit the theme, like the theme and the tone and the energy of all the shows. They're so wonderful. Uh, I'm on my rewatch of Angel and Angel. Actually, even though Buffy is my favorite show of his, Angel's theme is my absolute favorite. It's like this beautiful instrumental with like a little bit of an edge to it but a little bit of like folkiness to it that kind of brings in you know how old angel is and uh, that's my favorite theme <laughs> okay then talking about this podcast um yes tig what what do you kind of hope and wish and want for the next year honestly i'm just hoping that we and you know, i'm wishing to continue working with all the amazing people that we have working together i'm hoping to get more guest hosts like the amazing Tharias and heather mm-hmm. 
more collaborations with Never's cast are great people. Uh, a few more really killer articles out there. Maybe break a few more new stories. That would be quite fun. I'm just really hoping that we can continue doing everything we've done over the past year and but do it do it bigger, do it more, mm-hmm. and you know bring more people into the Whedon family. You know, create some more Neverites. Always a fan. Yes, Neverites. That's it. We've coined the term. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make it work. We are the Neverites. We are. Uh, for me, I want to definitely expand and grow the podcast, more exposure, get ourselves out there. I know Matthew's trying to line up some interviews, so the odd interview would be fun. I like yes. the crossovers. I like having these guest hosts. I think that brings us like some like a fresh, I wouldn't say fresh face, but a fresh voice. <laughs> uh, just kind of mix it up a little bit. Uh, for myself personally, I'm going to continue writing for the website and hopefully produce. Well, I will produce and hopefully they'll be interesting and folks will like them. Um, so I'm really excited to look forward to that and see where, where that kind of takes me and us. And then also Patreon. I'm really interested to see, see how that goes. And I hope folks sign up because we have some really fun ideas. And I think that that will really, really help kind of explode our fan base and just kind of really solidify everything and, uh, bring kind of our commitment level to like, you know, the top. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And then Tharias, since you are a listener, what are your thoughts and wishes for us as a, like a website in the podcast? What do you want to hear? What do you want? What do you want from us? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking as a listener, I suppose anything you guys want to do, I'm down for because I'm just, uh, I, I find it very refreshing to hear from people speaking about Joss's work and uh, his shows in, like a, in a positive light. Because it seems like there are so many people out there online, especially, who are still very unforgiving of him for, you know, certain, you know, personal indiscretions that you talked about in the past. And also, oh, uh, I, I hated uh, that one line that he gave Black Widow in, in, in Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm, I'm still so irritated that people took that line out of context. <sighs> people are still yeah. on Tumblr are still talking about that. Still have not mm-hmm. forgiven him for this. Guys, guys, it's, guys move on. Move on, please. Please, can can you do you do you have no forgiveness in your heart for the guy who gave us Firefly and Buffy? I mean, come on, please. It, it is not the end of the world. Uh, so, Indeed. Just whatever kind of positive content you guys are are, are down for, you know, I'll I'll be listening. Okay. Next up, we have listener letters. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion for a topic that we should discuss on anything Weedon related. Tweet us at the Nevers Podcast, and that's without an A because the Twitter handle was already taken. So it's the Nevers P O D C S T, or send us an email at the Nevers Podcast at gmail.com, This time with an A, and we'll read it on an upcoming episode. Our first letter for this time comes from a longtime supporter and current co-host, Tharias. So I mean, it'd be rather silly for me to read your words. So would you like to read out your question, and then we'll answer them? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you guys haven't talked much yet about the powers we might be seeing on the Nevers. From the character breakdowns, it definitely looks like Joss is taking inspiration from mutant characters in the X-Men comics. Bonfire, Penance Adair, Desiree Blodgett, Primrose Chataway, and Odium's powers sound like Joss's versions of pyrokinetic, technopathic, telepathic, megamorphic, and feral mutations, respectively. Anyway, I was just wondering what type of powers you might like to see on the show. 
Given the time period, the more difficult-to-hide powers could easily have the characters branded as freaks or monsters, so abilities that lean into that to create some fun possibilities for stories. For me, Penance Adair's genius for invention sounds the most interesting, since she is going to have some kind of affinity for technology in an era where technology is in its infancy, so that could produce lots of wacky steampunk-type contraptions if they wanted to go in that direction, but I'd love to know what you want to see. For this, honestly, I don't really know anything about superhero films or comics. So right now I don't really have a comment on the powers per se. So I'm going to leave this up for you folks to talk about. <laughs> I'm just happy to see any kind of powers happen, really. Fair enough. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've covered sort of what powers I'd like in the blog, but I'm, I'm always happy to talk more about it. I, I have to agree with you there that I think Penance is kind of tech technomancy so to speak is definitely one i'm really looking forward to not just because it leans into my ongoing love for steampunk but also because it's kind of a blank slate she can just do whatever she wants and they can sort of hand wave it away like oh yeah she she created technology that allows her to do this because magic or techno she's really smart she's smarter than you are so it's fine uh, I also I also think something along the lines of uh, Bartitsu or some kind of a martial art that we haven't seen before on screen would be really great. I like that there's yeah. a lot more influence uh, these days from things like uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. For me, I'm, I'm look, I've been looking at these set photos that uh, Matthew sent me, and uh, there's one in particular that, uh, that interests me. Um, I'm not incredibly knowledgeable about steampunk or um, or Victorian-era technology and whatnot, but in the picture I'm looking at, there's a car here that has three wheels, only one wheel in back instead of four, which strikes me as unusual. I don't know if that's a real thing, or is this something that Penn and Sedaire came up with, but... Um, it's very possible that it's kind of a combination of the two. It, it, it looks a bit like some of the early sort of trike motorcycles, but... I mean, they were they were they weren't around for around another hundred years, and there seems to be a fair amount of kind of sparks and smoke coming out. So I w I really wouldn't be surprised if that was some kind of early steampunk motor trike that she'd whipped up, kind of a, a horseless carriage, so to speak, just to demonstrate how much of a genius she is in those early early episodes, which I'm all for. And uh, yeah, and uh, then the second question. I wrote in, uh, also, even though several of the characters' powers have been confirmed, we still have no idea what Amalia's power is, or if she even has one for that matter. Strange that this is being kept under wraps when she's the lead character. Assuming Amalia does have some sort of ability, what do you think it could be? That is a great question. My, I, I have two possible ideas. One being, she'll be the standards, Whedon kind of buffy river echo type where she can kind of she's a bit stronger than stronger than human tougher faster and knows how to fight but the flip side to that is it is the standard whedon lead that he's done that now two or three times so he might want to kind of try something different which leads me into thinking it's entirely possible that the whole first season is going to be her sort of trying to like she she knows she has a power but she's not sure what it is and the whole season is her trying to sort of discover what her ability actually is 
Um, did you ever see, I think it was a kind of late 90s, early aughts, British comedy drama called Misfits? I, I have no. not. Basically, it's about a bunch of uh, chavs that get superpowers and have no idea what to do with them. And the whole way through, one of the, one of the, one of the characters he doesn't seem to have a power. And the whole first season is based around him kind of putting himself in various situations, trying to discover what his ability is. And then they eventually reveal it in a very disgusting but humorous way. And I'm kind of hoping they take a similar path with Amalia, where they kind of they hint at what she could possibly. They they, they have put in these strange situations where she sort of, like she does something like is is that part of her ability or is she just you know lucky or crazy? I mean, it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of plots that can be written off the idea of knowing you have a power and testing various situations to see what it is. Yeah, I, th- I think it stands to reason that there's probably going to be some type of mystery about her ability. Um, otherwise, I don't know why they wouldn't you know, be upfront about it. It's probably a little bit more complicated than the standard you know, enhanced speed and strength, you know, awesome fighting machine type that we've seen with Buffy and River and Echo to an extent. Um, I-, I do like the idea of her not being sure what the power is. I, I also think it-, it could be a possibility that it's something that can only be used in like very specific circumstances or like very dire situations and otherwise she's just a normal person and has to get by on her wits and her charm and uh, just her natural abilities and whatnot i think that's that's also a kind of interesting way to go about it too if you know she's the main character ha- often has to deal with other people who are potentially more powerful or have more access to their abilities than she does and she still manages to hold her own I think that could be an interesting way to go, too. That would be a great angle to take. Another possibility, considering this show seems to be heavily about those powers, one interesting path they could take is if her power kind of relies on the powers of other powers. Like, for instance, like it could be she's like a kind of a force multiplier, whereas you know, we know Bonfire can set things on fire, but maybe she can only do, like, fire breathing. But then when Penance is... Um, when... Amalia is kind of near her or touching her, she can produce like 10 times the amount of fire. So although she has Ooh. no powers herself, she becomes this pivotal figure because, you know, we, for instance, we know uh, Desiree Blodgett can make people tell the truth, but when she's near them, but then when she's touching Amalia, suddenly the whole of London has to tell the truth. Just, like, imagine the chaos they could cause. Like a, a kind of someone with nefarious ideas could cause if they had this like force multiplier at their beck and call. I love that. I love that idea. If you're listening, Joss, you're welcome. You can take that. Run with it. And it's also, if that is, if that would be, if that's the case, if that is actually a thing that happens, I love that because that really would, I think, connect everybody, uh, bring everybody kind of closer together. It just would, I'm thinking of like this bond of sisterhood that just kind of brought to my mind of if they're touching, they can just be stronger together, you know, as opposed to, you know, that classic saying, you know, we're just stronger together than apart. Um, I think that would be fantastic to see. And we have been wondering what the kind of, um, what, the, what the spark will be, which starts off the story. Mm-hmm. It very well could be. Yeah. yeah. It could be the reason that they're keeping her powers under wraps is because her obtaining them is what causes the events to start. And so they want to, they want to wait for that probably kind of last five minutes of episode one surprise where boom, it's happened. Let's get the story rolling. Yeah, you're wondering what the inciting incident is going to be. Mm. Catalyst. Mm. That's the word. What the catalyst for it will be. It's fun to speculate on because we don't really know 
uh, where these characters are going to be in their development when the series begins. Like, will it begin with them all discovering their abilities, or will it begin with them having already had these powers for a while? Mm. I, I think it's probably a good idea to have them in, like, various stages. Like, maybe Amalia's had her ability for some time, but uh, Penisidera's just discovering hers, and, like, she, without even... Like noticing what she's doing, she's kind of creating this steampunk contraption with her hands, and then she looks down and is like, "Where did this come from? How did I do this?" So, <laughs> just having just having people in like the very varying different stages of discovering their abilities, I think, is a is a good way to go. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah, it's it becomes a little dull if kind of everyone's at the same level and it's all very sort of equal. I, I like the idea that there'll be. Even amongst their different, there's always a, a natural imbalance among people with powers because some powers are just better than others. But when it's like seeing kind of like a, a perfect example would be uh, Luffy from uh, One Piece. His power amongst the world, you know, in, in a world where people can, you know, conjure fire and move at the speed of light, having the ability to stretch your limbs doesn't, it's not a particularly powerful ability. But because he's got such mastery over it, he's able to overpower people that are considerably stronger. It's good. It'd be interesting to see kind of potentially some of the weaker members of the Touched that are nonetheless incredibly fearsome characters because they've had their powers for years now and have learned to really like hone them to a fine edge. Versus someone like I hate to keep going back to her as an example, but she's the easy one to work on. Someone like Bonfire who can conjure all this fire, but maybe doesn't have the control over it that someone else might have. Always a good story to tell. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So our next letter is from Callum Whitby. Hey, Nevers Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Callum. According to Spotify, you are my most listened to podcast of 2019. I'm not even surprised because you guys are amazing. Two questions. One, do you think Buffy has aged well? Does it hold up 16 years after it went off the air? There's some critics of it some critics of its portrayal of feminism, but I don't understand it. I think the story's character development holds up well. What do you think? And number two, what are the chances of the Nevers getting a spinoff with one of its major characters? Let's start with question one. If anybody else wants to start first, because I definitely have notes on that. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, first off, Happy New Year, Callum. Hope you had a great time. I'm actually currently re-watching Buffy as we speak. I've just started season three this morning. And I have to say, I think it still holds up so brilliantly. Even now, you know, 20 odd years after it first aired, it still is just as sharp. The, you know, the fights are amazing. The music is brilliant. And it, it has, to me, some of the best character arcs we have ever seen in television. You see, like the, the perfect example of this because she has probably the best arc, possibly in... She has one of the best arcs in television history. It's Cordelia. She's a character that so easily could have just been a one-note, throwaway, head cheerleader bully. And, like, we've seen it a thousand times. It could have been fine. But instead, Joss gave us this amazing character that goes from, you know, the standard shallow bully. But even in season one, you start seeing these hints that there's actually so much more to her. Then through season two and her, like, one of my favourite scenes in all of Buffy is uh, when she, she breaks up with Xander because, she, you know, he's she's getting flack from Harmony and all her cronies. And then they're, they're kind of walking along and talking and Harmony's ranting on about some nonsense, like, you know, typical kind of high school rubbish. 
And Cordy just mm-hmm. snapped. And he's like, oh my God, you're a sheep. Shut up. Like, why are you so shallow <laughs> and rubbish? And like, you know, I don't care that he's yeah. a geek. I'm going to be with him because I like him. And wanders off and starts talking. Like, it goes back to Xander and they, they start, they have their doomed relationship. And then even if it was just, even yeah. if you just left it there, she would be an amazing character. But then when you see her growth, her further growth in Angel, it's like, you know, from spoiled valley girl, Queen Bee, to literal higher power basically kind of you know god angel type it's such a fantastic mm-hmm. journey and i mean i'm sure other mm-hmm. people could write arcs like that but i don't see any that have so I mean, you have to give credit where it's due jo- and that's just one character joss has done that for mm-hmm. but except for probably zander all the characters in his show have these amazing arcs mm-hmm. and you know, you've, you've got to you've got to give respect for that because that still holds that that kind of storytelling is absolutely timeless and it will be just as good now as it was when it was released as it will be in 20 30 50 years and i mean mm-hmm. yeah that's agreed and frankly it's interesting because you mentioned xander and if you think about all of the major and minor characters all of the very incredible vastly complex characters and character developments and character arcs have been women so i'm all for that and uh for me you know the early like seasons one two a little bit of three they're of course dated in the sense that they were made in the 90s but i find that very charming (laughs) (laughs) you know a lot of that's a, a product of its time which is fine i love the dialogue the aesthetic the music it's it's I yes, it's a product of a time. It's charming now. It's I think if you watch the show now as opposed to watch it when it came out, it's a little bit more challenging to kind of get past that. You kind of have to live it, and know it, mm, <laughs> to I think kind of feel that the '90s ish of it. Uh, but overall, I think it really holds up. I watch this show. I rewatch it every two years, every two to three years or so. Because it's my favorite show of all time. Um, the high school is hell. All the metaphors <laughs> of the demons and the situations of life experiences, the relationships, all the struggles. Um, there are many, I think, empowering elements and themes. And I think the show really was very progressive and subversive for the time. But it does have its fallbacks with the research that I've been doing recently and a lot of thinking critically about the characters, especially the women, because I'm a woman and naturally I'm going to go towards looking at the female characters. It's actually quite conservative, um, which was, has been a little bit surprising for me to, to discover, but mainly it's very conservative with regards to the sexuality of the characters of the show. I, touch on this in my blog post on Veruca, the werewolf and faith. um, That's my most recent one. And actually today in a couple of hours, episode uh, 19 of my other podcast, I spin your podcast. We're talking about not only the queer representation in Buffy, the show, but the bisexuality representation of the show, because there is that, Uh, in there and I'm really looking forward to talking about it and that's what really showed me that there is a lot of very conservative attitudes and feelings not doesn't I don't think it necessarily badly reflects Joss Whedon I think a lot of it is of its time and maybe even just Sunnydale you know what I mean it's just it's almost like this microcosm of people just being very um 
I want to say conservative again, but just just kind of a little bit narrow minded when it came to those types of things. And I think that Joss Whedon, there's no denying that he changed the the course of television and how you create TV shows. And there's definitely no denying that. So I think we keep saying it, but credit, give credit where credit is due. But he definitely changed television. And uh, Buffy was the reason for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it is true that the female characters tended to get the more impressive character arcs in uh, Buffy and Angel. Uh, Xander kind of got the short end of the stick in that department. Uh, hope, but yeah. um, that's also what made Wesley's arc stand out so much. Completely. So, uh, yeah. So hopefully that that yep. makes up for it a little bit. Um, as it has for how Buffy is aged, well, I frankly I think it's aged a lot better than most shows from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> if you consider Agreed. what we yep. what was on the air at the time, uh, I think uh, what it had going in its favor is that uh, it, it deals with a lot of um, a lot of uh, relevant themes, and it never really conformed. And this is something that holds true for all Joss's stuff. It never really conforms to a lot of uh, current year trends and fads. You know, things that mm-hmm. are popular for a time and then go away. He kind of prefers mm-hmm. to just do his own thing, which results in his shows not feeling as uh, dated as uh, they might be otherwise. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. there's always stuff you can point to, like, uh, oh, remember when people wore their hair like that back like 20 years ago? <laughs> or, yeah, aesthetically, or, yes. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. Or remember when people would dress like that? I mean, that stuff's unavoidable. But, I mean, creatively, I think mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff is pretty timeless. Agreed. Great. That's why I think it just can the reasons why it continues to its fan base continues to grow. I mean, my co-host of my other podcast only started watching Buffy a couple of years ago. I kept saying that I knew that she would love it and finally like watch Buffy, watch Buffy. And then she did and she loves it. So more and more people, even after 20 years, discover it and still love it. Because I think exactly what you said is that the themes are just relatable despite the time so it's great uh so the second question as a reminder was what are the chances of the nevers getting a spin-off with one of its major characters cheers callum for me i think it's way too early to even say that only happened once with angel but that was you know a spin-off from a you know very popular show buffy so i think it's too early to say agreed it's gonna seems like it's gonna be a huge world as we know he's fantastic at creating so that's not out of the realm of possibilities, but I think it's definitely too early to say. Yeah, I mean, it, to judge whether or not a character's sort of, in air quotes, worthy of getting a spin-off, you kind of have to see the character first. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a particular character that proved to be a fan favourite, but didn't quite fit in with the sort of the cast of the Nevers. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a little offshoot. For instance, I can't remember his name, but there's a character that's an American living in England. It's entirely possible he could kind of flee back to the US and get a little spin off there. But I think we really need to meet the characters before we can judge whether any of them could or should carry their own spin off. But I mean, it sounds like he's created an amazing world. So if he ever wants to flesh out parts of that world, I will be there for it. But for now, I think it's, we can't really say anything definitive. Yeah, I think it's too soon to tell. Although, uh, just based on the character descriptions, you know, I'm, I'm down mm-hmm. for a Malady spinoff 
<laughs> if he wanted to go in that department, you know, split her away from the others and maybe kind of do a Victorian era female version of the Punisher, where she's just, you know, taking people out. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, cr secretly they've all been they're all criminals and she's the only one who knows it. And she's taking them down while the outside world considers her, you know, some kind of a uh, monstrous murdering machine. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I'm down. <laughs> yep, I, I would definitely watch that. That sounds fun. Okay, moving on to our final letter from first-time writer Irina. Thank you very much for your letter. Hello, the lovely people at the Nevers podcast. I'm greatly enjoying your content. It makes the wait for the show a bit easier. So question number one. While listening to your episode about the unaired Buffy pilot, I wondered about your thoughts on other Joss Whedon pilots, including the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm trying to imagine what the pilot of The Nevers will be like when it finally arrives, and maybe the past pilots can provide us all with some clues. Okay, we'll answer that one first. Uh, for me, I, I really need to watch that unaired Buffy pilot. I have not, and I really, really, really should. Um, as a, you know, thinking about Firefly and Dollhouse, the pilots, the actual pilots were not the pilot that was released when the show aired, both those shows, so it really kind of messes things up. So it's it's hard to kind of, for me, kind of wrap my mind around that and remember which one was supposed to be the pilot. Because <laughs> um, for Dollhouse, when I was watching it in real time, it wasn't the right, it wasn't the actual pilot. They mixed it up, so it seemed a little jarring. It felt very off. But I think the Buffy and Angel pilots were very strong. Mm. And I'm pretty sure the Buffy pilot is still considered one of the greatest pilots of all time. Like the one that aired, not the unaired one. It's considered one of like one of the best opening episodes of any TV show ever. It's quite fantastic. I also really loved the pilot to Supernatural. That really astounded me. That was heavy and that was hard hitting and that was incredible. Not a Joss Whedon show, obviously, but talking about pilots, I think it's really hard to do a really, really incredibly strong pilot. He's got some time, so I'm hoping that the Nevers will have a solid, solid pilot initial episode. And it's the right pilot, mm. and it's not going to be mixed up. So hopefully HBO allows that to happen in the right chronological order, and we're going to see the show the way it was meant to be seen. Yeah, that would be a new, a new thing for a Joss show. Yeah, imagine that, actually starting the series with the first episode. <laughs> It's a wild idea, but it just might work. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a revolutionary concept. <laughs> uh, I, I actually have seen the unaired Buffy pilot. I, I watched it recently on YouTube, as it turns out, after you guys talked about it. Uh, it's 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 amusing. There are elements of the final version in there, but you know, there's there, there's a reason why it was reshot. I think the final the final product was a lot better for it, definitely. Um, I'm not sure how I'd rank uh, the other Whedon pilots. I think the Firefly Firefly pilot is definitely my favorite of them. Uh, as mm. for as for Agents of Shield, which I, I guess we can count as a Whedon pilot, even though I mean he did technically write and direct that, even though it's always been uh, Jed and Marissa's baby. Uh, that show, mm. I think we could still count it in the Whedon verse. Um, I'd say so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Shield. I think I think that's it's not. The strongest of the bunch, I think. If I were giving grades, it'd probably get like a B plus. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think Shield suffers a little bit from trying to cram too much into one episode. Uh, I think it would have been much better as a two-hour premiere because mm. they're trying to introduce the whole team and then indoctrinate the Sky character onto the team and then also introducing J. August Richards' character, who's going to factor in later. It's just a lot to do in one episode, so I think that really should have been a two-hour premiere. Uh, I still like it. Uh, Firefly, definitely my favorite, though. 
For sure. And question number two, for a bit of fun, if you could clone Joss to create a half-hour comedy, either live-action, animated, single-cam, multi-cam, just for yourself, what would it be? As for me, I would like to imagine a black-and-white multi-cam spin-off from Much Ado About Nothing, starring Nathan Fillion and Tom Lank as two bumbling detectives solving ridiculously silly crimes in an unspecified place and time period. Hoping to hear from you, Irina. Oh my god, yes please to that. Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Besides loving those two people, though that character, th- sorry, those characters are much to do about nothing. Oh my god. It was ridiculously charming. So endearing. Them two together forever, please. I'm not going to lie. I had a completely separate answer, but as soon as I read uh, Arena's <laughs> option for a, a bumbling Nathan Fillion, Tom Lang detective series, I'm in. <laughs> Like sign me up, have that yeah. as a as the follow up to Nevers, like hour of the Nevers, and then a little half hour single cam, black and white, Nathan Fillion, Tom oh. Lenk, solving stupid crimes that always like they start like, like oh someone's stolen their bike and it turns into a triple murder homicide suicide. I'm in. I want it. I need it now. I would also I would also totally sign up for it. Probably, it probably wouldn't be a half hour comedy, but I would quite like to have a kind of meet the tams like young young river and simon oh yeah like maybe when he's in medical school and he's like oh i'm trying to work out what happened to this guy and then she's like it was obviously this like oh yeah of course it was (laughs) i would definitely watch that oh yeah putting a comedy spin on that would be really interesting because it's such a serious aspect of that show but i think that would be Mm. fantastic have kind of like a, a sort of bojack horseman style dark comedy Mm. would work quite mm-hmm. well. Single camera buddy comedy starring Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk. Uh, By day, they operate uh, a sandwich truck. By night, they moonlight as alien hunters. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm into that too, mainly because I also really just really, really love Alan Tudyk. So yeah. them two together is magic. The Nathan Fillion and Tom Lang thing was this like crazy random happenstance of chemistry so those two together awesome mine is because i rewatched season four and five of buffy um a spike and giles roommates or flatmates i guess they would be called and just they're like day in the life of have you guys seen what we do in the shadows yes okay so that but spike and giles living together oh my god i need it (laughs) that would be amazing (laughs) i have to have Uh, it Oh my god, that would be so good. Hey, that de-aging tech is pretty impressive these days. Put some blue dots on James Marster's face, make him look younger again. They, they could pull it off. a lot of makeup on Spike for a lot of those episodes. There was some eyeliner, a little bit of like pale white, you know, f- makeup. It could happen. And Anthony Stewart had is just wonderful. That's fine. They it could is, be yeah. older. It doesn't have to be like from 2002. It could just be them now. It'd be fine. It'd be fine. True, <laughs> true. So we're going to move on to a new section of the podcast called You Can Say That Again. So this is where we share a line of dialogue from the Whedonverse that means a lot to us. And it's my turn this time. Again, rewatching season four and five for my other podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about The Gift, the season and almost series finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it is... Buffy's speech to Dawn before she jumps off kind of a cliff type thing, jumps off that crazy tower. 
and it's, Don, listen to me. I love you. I will always love you. This is the work I have to do. Tell Giles, I figured it out and I'm okay. And give my love to my friends. You have to take care of them now. You have to take care of each other. You have to be strong. Don, the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave. Live for me. Such a great (laughs) speech. There's so much. Like I'm, I'm welling right now. That episode always gets me. Um, There's so much about that speech. Um, I also remember very vividly watching that episode for the very first time when it aired many, many moons ago, and I was devastated. I was a mess. As soon as that episode even starts, I'm a mess. Um, But there's so much in that that she says to her, and I love... I love this moment for Buffy as a character, as the slayer, as a person, as a human being. And if that show, if the show would have ended at this, I would have been a hundred percent fine with it then and now, because I think this was a nat- was a wonderful and natural progression for the character. Season five was incredibly challenging for Buffy as a person. Um, and there's even, it might've even been in that episode, but, Buffy talking to Giles and saying, if these are the decisions and that I have to make, I don't want to live in this world. Like, I don't want to be here if these are the decisions I have to make, which is like, kill your sister or don't, even though she's not your sister, but she is because she feels like she is. You know, Buffy doesn't kill human beings. That is how she is. You know, other people have been fine with it. Even Giles, um, he, he is willing to kill human beings if that is what it takes to, you know, make things better for the greater good. He has accepted that. He is fine with that role, Mm. but she is not. So she is willing to sacrifice not only herself for Dawn, but the world. And up until then, it's been this question of death is my gift. And she always brought it to the negative. Like, I'm not a killer. No, I'm not a murderer. This is like, this is not what my destiny is. It can't be about this. But her saying, I figured it out. Yes, she has. This is it. This is her gift. Mm. Not only to her friends, to Don, but to the world. I could go on and on about this, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it is an absolutely fantastic quote, and I, I totally agree. They could, they could. You, you could almost say they should have ended the series there, and it still would have been perfect. But I'm, I'm not going to be sad that we got once more with feeling. So agreed. And this, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this again in a couple of hours on the other podcast. <laughs> so it's like really great timing because we're reviewing and talking about season four and five. And there's a section that we're going to talk about is that exact like the episode, but also, you know, this essentially was going to be the end of the show. And how do we feel about that? I mean, I do love how it does eventually end, but this I almost think was, was, was perfect. I think if you have to sacrifice yourself, that's a pretty great line to go out on. Although, Indeed. although leave it to Joss because I think at the time they weren't sure if they were coming back for another season. Leave it to him to end what could very well at the time have been the series finale to just leave people on the most gut-wrenching, the most (laughs) gut-wrenching ending imaginable. Oh my God. Oh yeah, Buffy's dead. To be continued, we don't know. Maybe on another network. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, sorry, I brought that so that, down. I'm still... Yeah, it's a very just oh. way to do it, though. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. I believe that's actually that's actually it for this month's that's it. 
Nevers Podcast. So please remember to subscribe to the Nevers Podcast, visit our new Patreon page, review our offers, and maybe consider becoming a supporter. Your support will help ease the financial burden of producing a podcast and having a website. You can find us at hbothenevers.com for your fix on everything Nevers. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, simply at hbothenevers. And remember, you're always free to send in your comments, questions, concerns, and suggestions to theneverspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Kelly and Therias, for being here. It's been a pleasure working with you, as always, and I hope to work with you both again. Do you have any other projects that you wish to plug? Because now is the time. I know, Kelly, you've already mentioned a few. Do you want to fill in the blanks on what's going on? Sure. So my other podcast is I Spit on Your Podcast. It's a horror-specific podcast, but we do release some Joss Whedon stuff. Right now, we've we've done... One episode on Buffy. Today we're recording another episode on Buffy. We will have a third one in six months, which will be uh, an overview of season six and seven. Hopefully we'll look at Angel and other Whedon properties in the future. Um, But if you like horror, do you like, you know, a little bit of feminism? We do tackle some hard subjects, but also some fun stuff like heavy metal horror, Elvira, again, Buffy. Uh, then please check us out. Our website is spinstersofhorror.com. I am on Twitter. You can find me at kgredner. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. You can follow me at uh, therealfk9. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-F-K-9. Uh, YouTube is a bit of a nightmare to deal with right now. They're constantly unsubscribing people. So um, every time I, up- I upload a new uh, review of a show or a movie or what have you, uh, I always put a notification on there. Uh, I also have a YouTube page, Therias Unlimited, where I talk about various TV shows, uh, episodes, full seasons, movies, pop culture, stuff like that. Uh, so uh, check me out. You can check me out there as well. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. We'll definitely uh, be in touch for future episodes. That's it for the podcast. I don't have social media because I only have room for one S&M in my life. But if you wish to hear more from me, we'll see you next time on the Nevers Podcast. Bye. Although I'm still a little salty they got the Nevers cast before we did. It's a great name. It is good. Uh, but we were here first. <laughs> we, yeah. we love you guys. We do. This episode of the Nevers Podcast was written, researched, produced, and edited by Matthew Yamanashi. The intro and outro music was produced by Gilirme Morais. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on the Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button. The Nevers podcast is not endorsed by Mutant Enemy, Warner Media Entertainment, or any of its subsidiaries, including Home Box Office, HBO, and is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. The Nevers and all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective copyright holders. Listen to me. Listen. I love you. I will always love you. This is the work that I have to do. 
Giles it. Tell Giles I figured it out. And, and I'm okay. And give my love to my friends. You have to take care of them now. You have to take care of each other. You have to be strong. Don, the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave. Live. For me.